0: This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And this is my time. Keep it here as Roger talks about local and national issues important to you. Talking with the leaders and newsmakers in our community. And now, here's Roger.
1: Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. A program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending america's founding traditions of god family country friends it's great to be with you today i want to thank you for the opportunity to join you during this very important time in america and of course it's even um, elevated because there's a major primary election coming up this tuesday august the 23rd and that'll be the entire topic of our show today we have four outstanding candidates Tell you about them in just a moment. First of all, of course, I want to let you know that we're presented by Christopher's Prime Steak and Lobster, and I want to let you know that Florida Door Solutions supports our program and all the programs you hear right here on the new AM 950 and FM 94.9, The Answer, and our messages of patriotism and support for our free enterprise system. Later in our show, we look forward to speaking with Congressman Dan Webster. Also, Judge Ken Lester, who's the candidate for Seminole County Judge. Uh, of course, C- uh, Congressman Webster's a candidate for re-election, and he is in a primary on Tuesday. A little bit later, we'll hear from Colonel Tony Sabb, who's a candidate for Orange County Mayor. But right now, we're pleased to be joined by Bonnie Jackson, candidate for the Florida House of Representatives, District 42. And Bonnie, since the election is just uh, literally almost hours away at this point, um, We'll get right into it. And first of all, can you share with us you know, a major, the major theme of your campaign for Florida House uh, District 42? And also, can you share with us uh, the geographical boundaries so our listeners can kind of get up to speed on exactly where we're talking about?
2: Sure. And thank you so much for having me on the show again. I, I am grateful to be here and to talk to people, the voters, so they know uh, how they want to, you know, cast their ballot. It's a very important civic duty that we all have, and I'm honored to be on the ballot. So I am running for Florida House District 42, which uh, is most of Winter Park, most of Maitland, Eatonville, downtown Orlando, and then all the way down to Belle Isle, uh, the Conway area. So it's a long, narrow district. And I have one primary opponent, so I need people to get out and vote for Bonnie Jackson. The uh, early voting ends on Sunday, so it's through the 21st, and then election day for the primary is August 23rd.
1: Excellent, very important. Yeah, and you know. These- all, all candidates we'll have on the show are in a primary on Tuesday. It's very important not to skip the primary, but to get out. And that's where really you can really make a, a, a huge difference in which candidates will will go into the general election. Now, I know you've been... And, yeah, yeah, go ahead.
2: You know, I, I believe the primary in many ta- in many cases is more important than the general election, because we've all been there where we've just kind of held our nose and voted for the Republican over the Democrat. And that's not how it should be. We need the best, Candidate who can win in the general election, and I am that candidate. You, t- you asked me earlier what what my motto is or my my slogan, if you will, and I am I am Florida's firewall for freedom and for family because I believe and I know family is the center of our communities, of our country. Family is everything. When you're when you're you know ready to die, you're not wondering. You know, how, how come I didn't get that case or, or uh, how many more hours could I have worked? How much more money could I have made? No, you're thinking about family, the people that love you and that you love. And that is what we need to shore up in this country. We need safe neighborhoods. We need beautiful parks. We need green space. We need, you know, recreational activities. We need strong families. And that's what I'm about. I raised three children in Orange County with my husband at 27 years. His name is Michael Jackson. Uh, he has more name recognition than I do, so I always use his name when I guess. <laughs> so I am the wife of Michael Jackson. Um, but I am a very proud mother as well as a 27-year attorney and former prosecutor. So I am all about family, and that's why um, I'm running.
1: I'd like to pick it up there, and I was listening to Charlie Kirk, just last night, and he made the point, which I guess we all know, but we don't hear that emphasized a whole lot, is that the nuclear family is, you know, pretty, you know, basically the number one, the, the first building block, if you will, for a free society, uh, and, and you know, consequently, it's also the nuclear family is the first thing to come under attack from the left. We're seeing the nuclear family under attack from the left um, like we've never seen it before in my lifetime, certainly. And the reason, and you have been out in front already before you even became a candidate. You were out on front fighting for family issues, and of course, as a legislator, you'll have the opportunity to, to vote uh, on uh, family uh, family issues in legislation. Can you you know just discuss this whole issue?
2: Oh my goodness! There's so there's so much to cover there because I have you know we've all watched over time the deterioration of the family, and and part of it is this woke woke idea that because there are families that don't look like the traditional nuclear families, we should tear down the traditional nuclear family, you know, a dad and a mom and, and a boy and a girl, we tear it down so that everybody else feels normal and feels included. Well, you don't have to tear down the, the best, uh, the best possible scenario to raise a child, which is the household with a mother and a father in order to accept that there are other families don't necessarily look like us there are there are divorced parents there are widowed parents uh there are you know single there are very different looking families but the traditional family is a mom and a dad who raised their child in a loving household and that is that is what we should all aspire to it's not a bad thing it's not an evil thing We've just developed that over thousands of years of our existence as human beings as the best, uh, you know, nucleus, if you will, to raise a child and to have a healthy community. Yeah, I'll jump and, in just
1: yeah, real quickly. In but yeah. I, I think specifically, um, the current whole trans movement, if you will, um, has really I think that like like the the I guess the the the, the number one. Um, you know, attack right now on the family, and you know, it's it's even invaded uh, public school curriculum. Public schools, of course, Governor DeSantis is doing tremendous work to push back against that. Uh, and these are the kind. Of, this is the kind of issue that you would be involved in if you were a legislator. Can you can you just talk about about that whole? I guess the attack of the uh, of, of the trans um, uh, agenda yeah. people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, you used to be able to trust that physicians would. Uh, Do no harm. You know, they would, if somebody asked you, came to a physician and said, I want you to sever off my arm, uh, because I don't like it. Or I want you to replace my leg with my arm, because I think that would be really cool. Uh, it used to be that a physician would say, no, that's unhealthy. That's unwise. You probably need to see a, a psychiatrist. Um, but now we have the American Academy of Pediatrics that's not even protecting children. The, these, Surgeries that they're having where they are sterilizing children at at a most vulnerable age when they are healthy children, and then a physician would do that, those types of surgeries where they're removing the uterus or the breast or, or adding a, 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 there's a, a name for the this, uh, this surgery where they add a, a male part to, to a female, um, these types of things they're doing to healthy children, it's child abuse it is outrageous and i think it should be illegal and the real the real concern i have is if i get into, into office in tallahassee i i will co-sponsor sponsor i will be all totally on board with uh, removing the ability of a physician to do that to a minor child but then we have to worry about the wokesters out there in california who are talking about taking children from their parents so if you don't gender affirm you know your kid is 12 and they said you know Susie who's been Susie her whole life and never acted like Bobby suddenly Susie says well I'm Bobby unfortunately the psychiatric community just like the uh, the uh, the pediatric physician, they have silenced all the dissenting common sense docs out there just like they did with covid people who were saying well what's wrong with ivermectin or maybe we shouldn't take this so called vaccination Those people were silenced into submission, and they're doing the same thing with this transgender movement. They're silencing physicians who are saying this is makes them more suicidal, this does not help, and this is a very small percentage. I heard yesterday, just yesterday, these types of surgeries, these trans surgeries, are up 400%. This is not a genetic issue. This is a psychological issue and it's a it's a cultural phenomenon and it's dangerous. We're harming children and I will be behind one hundred percent the movement to stop it.
1: We're speaking with Bonnie Jackson, she's a candidate for the Florida House of Representatives District forty two. She will be on the ballot on Tuesday in the primary election and of course through Sunday for early voting. Well, Bonnie, we're down to about a minute and a half. I'll just let you uh, you know, finish up, however, what, what you'd like to share with the, with our listeners.
2: Well, you know, if people want to learn more about me and why I'm qualified to be a house representative, they could go to jacksonforflorida.com. But if if I have done the hard work, and I think I have, I've knocked on a lot of doors, made a lot of phone calls, I've delivered signs, I've got wonderful volunteers, I've been to many candidate forums, I have done the hard work and, and you know, seeded the soil, so I'm hopeful that I'll win the primary on August 23rd. And if I do, I have another fight ahead of me, because the current occupant of Florida House District 42 is a woman named Anna Estemani. She is a gender studies major from UCF. She was a director of Planned Parenthood, and she is a mere 31 years old. And she is credited with developing this transgender program for Planned Parenthood. You could almost say she's the architect of it, at least for the Florida Planned Parenthood. And that is exactly what I'm fighting. This is about protecting children. And this this is an issue that will unite Republicans and Democrats alike. Because just as they try to indoctrinate our children in the schools, and the mama bears came out and said, heck no, no CRT, no social-emotional learning for my kid. Just teach them reading, writing, arithmetic leave the rest to me same thing with the trans there are liberal democrat non-party affiliated parents out there who are suffering because their children are being indoctrinated to indoctrinated to believe that they are the opposite gender and this is not gender affirmation it's the exact opposite it is a rejection of the gender that you were born with and it's the wrong message to send children they should love themselves They should, you should develop self-esteem and we can have healthy children. And I'm, I'm, I'm very saddened that this is even happening. I think it's just, it's, it's pure insanity, but you know what? We've got to fight it. We can't shy away from this issue.
1: Well stated. Friends, Bonnie Jackson, candidate for Florida House Representatives, District 42. She will be on the ballot in the primary election on Tuesday, August 23rd. We're going to have a quick break. When we come back, we're to speaking with Colonel Tony Stabb, candidate for Orange County Mayor on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Please stay with us.
0: Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. My
1: Friends, welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. It's great to have you joining us on this very important program. We are now just days away from the all important 2022 primary elections, August 23rd on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. And our entire program is devoted to those elections, presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster. I want to let you know, of course, it was great. A little bit later, we'll hear from Congressman Dan Webster. He's in a primary um, and he'll be on the ballot on Tuesday. A little bit later, we'll hear from Judge Ken Lester, and he's a candidate for Seminole County Judge. He'll be on the ballot on Tuesday. Uh, in a mo- Right now, we're pleased to be joined by Colonel Tony Saab, and he's a candidate for Orange County Mayor. Before we go to Colonel Sab, I want to, of course, give a shout out to our friends over at Miller Sod Sales and let you know that Miller Sod Sales takes pride in their clean, well-maintained equipment, their honest, dependable work, and... Their fresh quality sod. Let Miller Sod Sales Green Up Your Life, family owned and operated since 1995. And you can find out more at Johnny Miller Trucking and Sod Sales.com. Now let's go to Colonel Tony Sabb, candidate for Orange County Mayor. Colonel Sab, thank you for joining us.
3: Roger, thank you for having me.
1: You know, as I've said, we're just now days away, a few short days away from Election Day, August 23rd, the primary. Can you And I want to ask you, you know, uh, some specifics about that, but first of all, uh, can you share with us uh, a, a little bit about your background?
3: I'd be happy to. I am a Colonel Retired Tony Saab, I am a 25-year Army veteran Colonel Retired. I've had the opportunity to serve in our nation's greatest conflicts in the last three decades, Operation Enduring Freedom, Operation Desert Storm, Operation Iraqi Freedom. In all of those conflicts I've commanded, either at the company or battalion level, I flew Hawks for 22 years. I am a two-time Bronze Star recipient and three-time Combat Air Medal recipient. But mostly, Roger, I've had the opportunity to lead our nation's most precious resource, the United States service member. And I do not take that lightly as an honor. I, uh, I am a, a 34-year husband. I have three adult daughters. I've been in the area here for since 2010. I, After retirement in 2008, was a contractor working for allies, our nation's allies in Afghanistan and Saudi Arabia. I spent extensive amounts of time in both of those countries, uh, serving those countries uh, in defense of their nations for uh, the United States.
1: Thank you, sir, for your service and for putting your life on the line to defend my freedom and my security and our freedom and our security. Now, I'd like to ask you, what led you... um, yeah, you know, with your distinguished military background, of course, um and being a retired colonel, what led you to wanna to seek this position uh in as elected office and, and to be the leader of Orange County government?
3: Well well thank you first for asking that question and I, I have to tell everyone and your you know, your listeners that it was with great angst I did it. A year ago this month, we as American citizens watched thirteen service members lose their lives needlessly in Afghanistan at the uh, Kabul International Airport. We also found that we had an airbase that was taken and given to the enemy, an airbase I might add that had 88 billion dollars worth of U.S. equipment in it that we turned over to the Taliban, our, our enemy. And it would seem like we also had some American citizens uh, hanging off the landing gear of a C-17 trying to get out of Kabul International Airfield. Now, being in the Army for that number of years, Roger, and, and rising to the rank of Colonel, I can tell you. And I can tell your listeners, we don't do business that way. Something's wrong. Something is endemically wrong in our country. And what I wanted to do was get involved. Because if you see a problem, and it's something that you think that you can contribute to, and uh, especially as an American citizen, you need to do something about it. And what I what I thought was to start at the county level, because I believe that's where we lost our touch. I believe that's where we lost touch with uh, the the civic duties of what an American citizen is supposed to be doing. And this is me included. And I believe that uh, even now, right now in Orange County, we have challenges that we shouldn't be having, and we have an absence of leadership in getting those challenges met. I am the leader that wants to step in and uh, start fixing those challenges before it's too late for our county. It almost is. It almost is.
1: No, I commend you for stepping forward. It's a huge uh Challenge and who'd sacrifice to run for office. I've done it for my, I've done it myself, and um, it's, it's no easy uh, decision to make. And I appreciate you making this uh, decision and, and doing what is you, know, uh, embarking on what is a very difficult uh, process in many ways, uh, rewarding but also very difficult and um, sacrifice requiring. Uh, can you talk about now? I'd like to talk a little bit about the specific political dynamics. Of this race, of course, uh, Jerry Demings is the mayor, and he's been there for, for quite a while. I think he's gotten reelected at least once since he's been Orange County mayor. Um, can you talk about, and then you're going to be on a Republican primary, if, or, or no, you're going to be in the primary, uh, um, you know, with other candidates uh, in addition to Jerry yeah. Demings. Um, can you talk about why, you know, out of those, uh, you know, relatively numerous uh, candidates that will be on the ballot... And, you know, including, you know, Jerry Demings, wh- why why you would be the best Orange County mayor? Why, why why our listeners should vote for Colonel Tony Saab?
3: Yes, I can't talk about that. This is a non-party affiliated race, as you know, Roger, maybe your listeners don't. No. So when you go to the ballot, you're only going to see our names up there. The reason why I distinguish myself from the rest of the candidates running to include the incumbent is because I've had the opportunity to lead in conflict as a senior officer in our, in our nation's armed forces. But not only that, I've had the opportunity to actually, uh, connect with, uh, leaders of different countries, uh, in the military, uh, solve problems at a much higher level than the county level and have the opportunity to also work at the North Atlantic Treaty Organization in Turkey. As the uh, head officer, uh, at the time I was a colonel, but, as a head officer in the uh, the NRDCT, the uh, reactionary force of the of NATO forces for uh, Istanbul, Turkey, which is a member nation. That's not the only reason. The other reason is this: I'm a problem solver. I've had to be a problem solver my entire career. I know how to work with people. I know how to use the talents of people and respect people in take those talents and put them to work in solving our county's problems. And believe me, that is absent right now in our county. I have uh, been able to talk to a lot of the citizens of our county since I've been running, running this race, Roger, and I can tell you that there is an absence of communication with the public services services that are uh, provided for our for our county, but not only them, but with also the public servants. And uh, I think there's a need for that type of connection between the commissioners, the mayor, and its connection with the people. The basic problem I see right now in our county is that we are not solving the problems that we need to in a preemptive way. We seem to be reactionary, not preemptive. And in the military, I've learned to be very preemptive. We certainly things to come to a point where we have to execute a, a plan that uh, is just placed on a short notice so that we can uh, get just get through that, 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 that gap. What I would like to do is preemptively plan and get things accomplished with uh, Orange County now so that at the end of the day, we're not waiting here to try to solve a problem in the last minute. I'm really pointing at the housing uh, problem that we had. The mayor, three and a half years ago, said this is what he's running on. Well, right now, Roger, we have a crisis. It never should have gotten to this. We're now reacting to something instead of being proactive and taking care of it when we should have.
1: Thank you for giving your insights. Yeah, I'm I'm personally, I'm very pleased that someone with your background and your experience is has put yourself forward for public office and specifically for the role of Orange County mayor. Now, we're speaking with Colonel Tony Saab. He's a retired U.S. Army colonel, combat veteran. And he's a candidate for Orange County mayor and will be on the ballot on Tuesday, August 23rd. We've got about two minutes remaining. I'd uh, love to have you share anything else, anything else that you would like to share. Um, just one specific question would be, um, is there another issue or two that would be a priority of yours if you were to be elected?
3: Yes, sir, there certainly is. Right now, I think the greatest challenge that we're having with our citizens here in Orange County and the citizens in this country is inflation. Inflation, I can tell you definitely was something that could have been avoided by our government, but it wasn't. So we're now in the midst of it. We're sitting right now, so they say, at 8.5% inflation. I don't believe that. I believe it is much higher because when you go out there and you buy something, it's at least 22% higher than what it was two years ago. My challenge is, as I campaigned since uh, seven months ago up to now, is to try to make our citizens understand that there is an initiative on the ballot in November to introduce a 1% sales tax to our citizens. It's a transportation tax. It is to uh, fix the infrastructure, transportation infrastructure within Orange County. I understand that we do have infrastructure transportation problems, but I would implore to the citizens of Orange County that there are better ways to do it than continuing to throw money at problems that aren't getting solved in the first place. There are so many different ways to solve this problem at this point with the use of technology, leveraging some of the new vehicles that are uh, coming on stage like electrical buses and all kinds of different aspects of how we uh, move people around our county that we need to look at before we place a 1% tax on our citizens with already an uh, 8.5 to 9% inflation rate. Uh, I really want to get in there and try to see if I can give some relief to our, our, our citizens, working with the governor to do that, especially if I can get some type of relief on gas tax or state gas tax.
1: Thank you very much for sharing. We're speaking with Colonel Tony Saab. He's a candidate for Orange County mayor. He will be on the ballot on Tuesday and will uh, Colonel Sad. Before we wrap things up in about the, la- the next thirty seconds for this segment, is there a way uh, that that uh, you know listeners could t- contact you if, if they if they want if they'd like to you know find out more?
3: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They can. Before I do that, I want to tell your listeners that there is. You may see when you turn your TV on or when you turn on your uh, computer and you you're doing your uh, checks on on candidates throughout the country and throughout your county that you see a a splur- a surge of uh, uh, past military uh, officers and non-commissioned officers running for office, I would tell them that there's a reason for this. We see something happening in our country, and we want to fix it. We want to uh, contribute, and please don't take this lightly. Please get involved, and please get involved in my campaign at going to I would appreciate your support, and, Roger, I'd like to thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk to your listeners.
1: You're welcome, and it's been a pleasure. And again, thank you for your service, putting your life on the line to protect me and my life and my freedom and our listeners and our freedom and security and the security of the United States of America.
3: So I'm at your service, and thank you again.
1: Colonel Tony Sab, candidate for Orange County Mayor. Friends, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll speak with Judge Ken Lester. He's a candidate for Seminole County Judge, and yes, he will be on the ballot on Tuesday, August 23rd. You're listening to The Roger Franklin Williams Show. Please stay with us.
0: Welcome to The Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now, here's Roger. And this is my turn.
1: Welcome back to The Roger Franklin Williams Show. Friends, it's great to be with you today today. Glad you're joining us on our last program before the all-important August 23rd primary elections coming up this Tuesday. As far we've heard from Bonnie Jackson, candidate for the Florida House of Representatives, and the all-important seat 42, the winner, the Republican winner of that race, the nominee, will take on George Soros, liberal leftist Anna Ascomani. A little bit later, we just heard from Colonel Tony Saab, candidate for Orange County Mayor, Right now, a little bit later, we'll look forward to speaking with Congressman Don Dan Webster. He is in a primary, and but right now, we're pleased to be speaking with Ken Lester, candidate for Seminole County Judge. And let's go to him right now. Great to to speak with you. Great, thanks for joining us once again. And um, you know, we're getting down to the final hours, literally. And can you just um, you talk about? I know that experience has been a major theme of yours. You know, with the twenty four years of experience you had uh, on the bench as a circuit court judge uh, in the in Seminole and Brevard counties, and also your um, you know long career before that as an attorney. Uh, can you just talk about um, you know how experience relates to this particular race and to the position of county judge?
4: Well, this particular race, I think, experience is everything. You want an individual in the people's court, which is county courts, who have a good relationship, not only with the county itself, knowing all the locations, the places, the things that go on in the county, but also the people. And I've been here for close to 40 years now in Seminole County. I grew up in the Central Florida area in Orlando, but I've been in the Seminole County area for close to 40 years now, so I have more than just a passing acquaintance with the the towns and cities of our fair county. And I believe that the people like an individual who's experienced not just in the law but also in the day-to-day activities of the county. And so I have that experience. So when we're talking in court about a particular location or a particular store, I'm intimately familiar with most of these uh, locations and places. Uh, When it comes to the law, obviously, I have experience 16 years as a private practitioner, 24 years as a judge. Uh, There isn't too much that hasn't gone uh, in front of me or before me that I haven't seen in some form or fashion before in county court. Obviously, it's going to be on a lower level. It's going to be misdemeanors. But I think that's, in some ways, much more important than even circuit court, where we had the hardcore people. In county court, we have the people who have day-to-day experiences and who are going to have this be perhaps the most important situation that they're ever going to have in the court system. In circuit court, we have people who, I hate to say, are somewhat familiar with the system. In county court, extraordinary people being placed in an extraordinary circumstance or situation compared to their day-to-day lives. And I think you need to have an individual there who puts it in a proper perspective. The sun doesn't rise and set on county court. People that are there expect you to be professional, courteous, respectful, and knowledgeable. I think I checked the boxes on all those particular areas. And the other thing that they want you to do is basically be fair. Fair is important. People don't always expect to win. They certainly like to win. But if you are fair, you are respectful, and you understand and know the law and apply the law, that's what people are expecting.
1: We're speaking with Ken Lester. He's a candidate for Seminole County judge. we will be on the ballot on Tuesday. You're listening to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. It's part of our Election 2022 series, and it's our last program before the primary on Tuesday, August 23rd. Now, can you talk about, you know, you talked about your experience, 24 years of experience on on the bench as a circuit court judge, and I I know that you— you know, you received a, you know, a, a large number of awards, frankly, from uh, other attorneys and, and other organizations who follow um, you know ju- judges closely. Is that something that you can speak about? Because I know that there, there's quite a few things you're not allowed to speak about uh, in judicial races. You know, just judicial candidates. Um, is that something you can speak to?
4: I, I can talk uh, somewhat about those. I, I don't like tooting my own horn, to be honest with you. I, I just uh, was not oh. raised that way, and as, as a as a gentleman who has old school. <laughs> on the radio on your channel. you understand those were not the standards okay yeah well, you well, I, well,
1: I, can, let... I I can vouch for the fact you've won numerous awards uh, had a super high rating um you know from your peers uh, and other and attorneys that appear before you uh, but let's put it this way um you know i've learned from i've been interviewing judges now for twenty years literally and one of the things that i've learned from that process is that demeanor a courtroom demeanor is 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 a major um Part of the job and and it's uh something that attorneys talk about all the time and one of the things i've been kind of saddened to learn or disappointed to learn is not all judges have um, you know shall we say a a professional or, or or a a demeanor can you can you speak to that in terms of your philosophy and i' I'm, I'm not talking about other judges that don't have it i 'm just talking about you of uh, course no. specifically
4: <laughs> no i I think that's a major major uh facet of being a good judge to have the proper demeanor. And by proper demeanor, we mean that you are, of course, respectful to the parties, respectful to the system, and that you understand that when you get in court, you're going to hear some things that you may not like, you don't think are appropriate, but you still have to maintain a very calm, steady confidence the whole time so that you don't make a side uncomfortable by the way you react to what is transpiring in court. So you simply basically keep your own counsel. You just listen. And as I often say, nobody ever listens themselves into trouble as a judge. If you listen and you act appropriate and you respond appropriately and you don't act like you're the smartest person in the courtroom, because I guarantee you aren't, there's always somebody smarter than you in life. And that uh, goes the same for being a judge in the court. I, I think if you go ahead and keep some of the basics in mind, you'll do just fine as far as demeanor. The other thing that a good demeanor carries over to the system is that it helps people do their best work. If they see that you're being calm, considerate, the attorneys relax a bit, and they're able to think and communicate with their clients a little bit easier. The clients are able to follow what's going on in court, make a better decision. Even all the other parties, be it police officers, victims, experts, they too get the, I'll call it the vibe, what's going on in the courtroom, and they can put forth their best work product also. So demeanor basically inspires the other participants in the system to do their best work. You don't have to have a situation where you have to be in absolute control of the courtroom. You don't have to express that type of serious attitude toward what's transpired. I think it's enough to show that you are calm, composed, and assured of yourself. That goes a long ways toward encouraging the other parties to be the same, to do their best work by being considerate of their opponents and the other parties in the
1: process. When you're listening to the Roger Franklin Williams Show right now. We're speaking with Ken Lester. He's a candidate for Seminole County Judge. He will be on the ballot on Tuesday, August 23rd. Now, I know um, you know one of the things that um, that, you, that you've talked about when you've joined us before and other forums is is your personal background. Um, can you talk about how that? you know, might relate to the position of Seminole County judge and I would say specifically um, your military experience, but your, but your other uh, life experiences as well.
4: Sure. No problem. Uh, before I took the bench, I was in private practice for 16 years and I practiced all over the country. I had the opportunity to go before a bunch of great judges uh, in different areas of the country and I could take the best from them and I could discard the worst from them. And I think I could fashion what I thought would make a very, very good judge. So that's what I've tried to do when I first started off. Of course, I continued to learn. I also was in business when I was in private practice. Uh, had some car washes, also had some healthcare businesses. So I've written on the front and the back of a check. I know it's like to hire people, fire people. And those hard times that people can have when they're working for others I've had to make business decisions from bank loans all the way down to dealing with agencies, dealing with the government. So I'm familiar with a lot of those different aspects, not only in a legal sense, but also in a practical business sense. So every time I do an action court, I'm not only thinking of also the, the, just the legal aspects, but I'm also thinking about finances, how this impacts the state. Sometimes when you send a person, you can't help but think, but there goes another playground, there goes another teacher, things of that sort. When it comes down to military experience, I I think I checked the box on that in as much as I joined the Navy when I was a senior in high school. I went to uh, war in Vietnam in combat when I was a teenager in 72, 73. Does that make you qualified to be a judge? No. What does that do? That shows that at least at one time in your life, you were able to meet the demands that a particularly uh, stringent situation called for that you did not disappoint others around you, they could rely upon you, you did your duty, you didn't complain. I think that's important when it comes to having other judges and other people in the system to be able to rely upon you to make a good decision, not to be affected by the extreme circumstances in which you may find yourself at any given time. All these things together, the military, the business, the legal practice as an attorney, plus the prior experience as a judge, I think lead to an inescapable conclusion, and of course I'm going to be biased, uh, that I have the experience that would help citizens of Seminole County have great faith in a new county judge, meaning Ken Lester.
1: We're speaking with Ken Lester, candidate for Seminole County judge, and we've got about two minutes. Can you, i uh, love to have you share whatever you'd like to do uh, with, with the voters before we. Have, sure.
4: I've been on the campaign trail here uh, this week, and uh, we've been at the early voting sites. Let me tell you, I think it is a little bit warm here this <laughs> week and it was somewhere around 97. Uh, Earlier in the week, but we're enjoying being out there, meeting people, get a lot of good response, positive response, responses from folks coming up. Uh, they've extended lines to 150 feet, so we aren't able to have the personal interaction that we had in the past. But lots of people park their cars, walk over, come and talk to us. I've gotten some good grillings from people. You know, people ask me different aspects of what my belief system is, how I relate to them, what can I uh, uh, agree to do that will be different in the future, areas that they're interested in, and they all ask some very good questions. And basically. What they are looking for is somebody that they can have faith in. That's what I've come to that conclusion, somebody who won't disappoint them. I tell them the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. I haven't done anything to embarrass the people of Seminole County. I've tried to represent them to the best of my ability. I've always been proud to be a citizen of Seminole County, proud to be an attorney, been proud to be a judge here in Seminole County. So I hope all those factors, all those issues that the people have put before me while I've been standing at the polls here, are the same factors that the voters who are going to vote on uh, Tuesday will strongly consider.
1: Judge Ken Lester, Lester, candidate for Seminole County Judge, former Circuit County Judge. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate you joining us. Best wishes.
4: Thank you, Roger. I appreciate it. Vote on Tuesday. Take care.
1: Ken Lester, candidate for Seminole County Judge. Well, friends, we're going to take a quick break on The Roger, Franklin Williams Show. And when we return, we look forward to speaking with Congressman Dan Webster who is in a primary election, also on Tuesday, the 23rd. Please stay with us.
0: Welcome back. Good to have you here for The Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now, back to the studio, here's Roger Franklin Williams.
1: Friends, welcome back to The Roger Franklin Williams Show, the program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's Founding Traditions of God, Family, Country. Very glad. That you, it's great to be with you on this important day. We're just days away from the all-important 2022 primary elections. Hope you're enjoying the program. Right now, we're pleased to be joined by a true stalwart in the conservative movement in America, in the Republican Party, um, and in Florida. He currently has been serving, of course, in Washington as a congressman representing Parts of Central Florida. I'm talking, of course, about Congressman Dan Webster. Hello, Congressman Webster, thank you for joining us for a few minutes today. Hey, great to be on, Roger. You know, I you know I can share a little bit with with our listeners. You know, and I know that um, y- you know, of course, um, a lot of um, in in just recent years, a lot of candidates have been uh, in, in the public eye, or if you will, or um, but I I wanted to just share. For those of us who, you know, have lived here for 30 or 40 years, which isn't everybody you know, these days, but I did want to let our listeners know about the incredible work that you did as a pioneer in the conservative movement um, in Central Florida and in Florida. You know, and back in the day when when uh, Democrats dominated, um, you know, Florida politics and, and Orange County politics and, and Central Florida politics, which sadly, they're back to doing it again, but uh, in some, some respects, but... Um, that you were a, tr- a leader who really helped the Republicans carve out um, a dominant era in Central Florida and in the legislature would even still exist today um, through your leadership. Um, and I just wanted to share that with our listeners for those that, that were not aware. But and and could you maybe speak to what it was like in the early days and. You know, what led you back in the days when, when Republicans and conservative Republicans um, were, were in, in such a great minority, but you took a leadership role in advancing the conservative cause and on causes specifically like Right like, like right to Life and others?
5: Well, uh, I think, thanks for that uh, question. The um, picture that was painted back then was we had, we had nothing, we did not have the majority. In any of either one of the houses, we didn't have a speaker or a leader, or, or we had the governor and lieutenant governor were were Democrats, so were all the cabinet members. It was just a Democrat-dominated era. And uh, I, I remember that they didn't even call on us. They didn't need us, and they didn't call on us. They had more votes than it took to block the waiving of the rules. So even if we had a rule challenge, uh, they had two-thirds votes to just override us if they wanted to. So anyway, it was uh, we. but I can remember one thing. We used to get these tapes, tapes by GOPAC, and uh, they were produced by uh, U.S. Congressman Newt Gingrich. Uh, that was before he was even speaker. And uh, we used to just sit around and listen to those things and get the ideas we needed to, to promote these principles. And so uh amazingly, we were able to get a lot of the conservative agenda adopted back then, including the idea of homeschooling, which was a totally anathema to the public school system and all the things that were uh, controlled by the Democrats. So anyway, there's just a lot of things like that that happened, but we just pressed on, kept on, and then uh, ended up in 1996, that by one vote, I was elected Speaker of the House, first Republican in 122 years. And uh, then we, so we were going to do uh, an odd thing. That was, we wanted to have a member-driven uh, process controlled by the membership, and uh, it was directed by the membership and guided by the membership. So it wasn't two or three people running the whole show telling all, all the other people how to vote, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, and then uh, running over everyone. So we we changed that. And it, it was
1: awesome. We're speaking with Congressman Don, Dan Webster. He is a candidate uh, for reelection, of course, and he is in a Republican. He will be on the ballot on Tuesday, August 23rd in a Republican primary and. You know, Congressman Webster, I'd like to pick up there and you know jump forward. I guess about thirty or forty years to the current times, and you know it. it you know, it, there's a there's a possibility, maybe even a a good possibility. Let's hope so. I don't I don't want to discourage anybody from getting out and voting, but you know that the Republicans will will take the House in this midterm election you know, in Congress in Washington. Um, what uh, if that were to to take place? From your perspective, what is the top priority or two? Uh, that the Republicans, uh, a Republican-led House w- w- would need to do to start helping America get back on track, and even still with a so I, Democrat president.
5: Yes, <clears throat> well, you know we have, have that. Yeah, he has the veto, and that's going to be hard. But we can work around that in some ways. Uh, we still want to. We want to get the economy rolling again. We want to get uh, pricing uh, and, and and inflation down again. We want to get uh, the opportunity to to break up all of the, uh, the uh, open borders that we've got and try to shut those down and, and bring about sensibility to even our immigration policy. So we, we have a lot of things, and also there's food prices and other things that are just out there, and they're, they're um, a- growing astronomically, and we want to bring that all to an end. That, that's what we'd like to do, get our economy rolling, get it rolling in the right direction.
1: And can you also uh, speak to you know, energy and you know, gas prices and just availability of energy? Because you know, that's one of the, the stark contrast between America under you know, a Republican president, under President Trump, and uh, under you know, Joe Biden is just the philosophy of developing you know, oil, our own oil resources, um, of course. And that's going to yeah. obviously lead to, lo- to-, to lower prices. But can, can you talk about th- that battle, if you will, that difference of opinion between the Republicans and the Democrats?
5: Yes, I think we're going to head in the right direction. We're going to bring up the pipeline, the XL pipeline, and all of the things that go with that, including opening up the reserves, uh, the, reserve, uh, the, uh, the uh, leases that we have, and let the oil companies drill, all of that. But we still have to get around the veto power of the president. So the, those are going to be, they won't be a stalemate, but at least we'll, we'll stop the bleeding. And uh, that's going to be the first thing, and then we're going to try to promote what we have promoted all along to get us back to total self-sufficiency uh, when it comes to uh, our oil and gas price, and just the fact that we we provide our own stuff. We don't have to go to the Saudis or the or or even other worse things like uh, like China and Russia and the others who have who have oil. We don't have to go beg them to produce it. We've got it here. It's just a matter of doing it, and I think. We can present that case and we'll have the votes at least to put forward something that if the president wants to block it, he's going to have to uh, do a lot more than just uh, snap his fingers.
1: Friends, we're glad you're joining us on the Roger Franklin Williams show today, part of our election 2022 coverage. Right now, we're speaking with Congressman Dan Webster. He is a candidate for reelection and he is in a Republican primary. He will be on the ballot on Tuesday, August 23rd. And, you know, in Congressman Webster, we talked about this last time you joined us, but i it's just such an important issue and it's such a big victory. And, of course, we haven't, um, our side hasn't had many big victories over the last year or so, year and a half. Um, but, you know, this, this the, the Supreme Court decision that struck down Roe versus the Roe versus Wade decision, um, and, and I'd like to ask you to share your thoughts and your feelings about that because I know that you literally were one of the, you know, one of the people out front um, laboring in the vineyards, if you will, back in the day when it looked like that—that that, you know, this day would never come—in terms of the right to life issue. Can you just talk about your feelings about about uh, about that decision and, and where we are now with the right to life?
5: Well, there was a group of us that got together and just said, "This is a day to celebrate." Who would have thought this, this would come along? On the other hand, the Democrats did a lot of things, and uh, one was true think about packing the courts, those things that they would do, especially though in the House, they were they were passing bills that would codify Roe v. Wade, and so it would make it more difficult to, to change what's being done at the state level right now, and so we wanted to keep it, we can keep it the way it is, we're not going to promote those things, we're going to encourage uh, a pro-life agenda, and uh, I am thrilled. About being a part of that, I want to be a part of it. I wanted to be, and I am really happy I am. Yeah, when I was elected, I think there was uh, it was single digit uh, years between when uh, when Roe v. Wade happened and and the current date. Uh, And and now it's uh, fifty, so it just it took a long time. Nobody thought that day would come. I was always a believer that we could possibly do it. If we just got the right uh, right mix of uh, justices, and so I'm really thrilled about the whole thing, and uh, we're gonna the, we're
1: gonna get it going. Thank you for for sharing, and of course, uh, you know, thank you for the the great work that you did way 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 back in the day um, to you know to the early part of this of this of this very long process. And that's just one thing I would just add uh, before we close out is that you know for everybody who's discouraged now, I think that's a great example. Of it, like Congressman Webster just said, just you know, we don't don't focus so much on the end outcome. Don't worry about things we can't control. Just just do our work, laboring in the vineyards to to try to advance the cause of freedom, no matter what the specific issue might be. And and and, and that that's our task. That's our mission. So uh, don't try to overthink it. Um, and have the faith thing, so you know, we will turn out, uh, you know, in the end. Well, Congressman Webster, thank you for joining us. It's always a, a real thrill and a pleasure to speak with you, and a joy. Um, we got about a minute. Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before Tuesday?
5: Well, I, I just think we uh, we need to fire Nancy Pelosi, uh, but we need to have people there that uh, have the experience to get things done after she's gone, and that's what I would like to do, and. Uh, your listeners are a group of voters, and we appreciate them. And on August 23rd, I pray and hope that they go out and vote for me.
1: Well, th- thank you very much. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for the, the way that you've literally you know invested your life in the cause of freedom and liberty and protecting our God-given constitutional principles.
5: Well, thank you for the job you're doing. Uh, you're a great, uh, great voice for conservatism, and we really appreciate
1: it appreciate your kind words. Friends, Congressman Dan Webster, and thank you for joining us today on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Uh, the, The closing thought is we should give a shout out to our producer Jeff and urge everyone to go and vote on Tuesday, August 23rd. Thank you.